0: You got the gist, right? Avalanches. Today, we are talking about the avalanche effect. The avalanche effect. And so, I wanted to just kind of get you thinking about avalanches for a little bit, uh, because avalanches is what we're going to talk about. The avalanches are powerful, sometimes pretty destructive, but they all happen because of factors that built up over time, and then there was a trigger event, Right? There's things that happened over a long period of time, and then there's a trigger of some kind. And then, boom, we have this, an unre- this release of this huge amount of power. And so we're talking about the avalanche today. Um, the avalanche is something that we kind of um, can use to describe what kind of can happen in our own lives. A little bit. An avalanche is something that builds up over time and then something happens, right? Something that goes on. And so the avalanche effect is this idea, this understanding that certain things can go at a... It could be a year. It could be a month. It could be years. It could be decades that build up over time and then are eventually happened as a result of this trigger. And sometimes it's in our lives. Sometimes we're talking about an actual avalanche. We could be talking a lot of of things, but this idea that things building up over time then are released into this great, immense power, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Well, this is our last installment of the Frozen series. Oh, too bad. I know. Um, But we are going to get to watch Frozen this Friday. At the Dunn's house. So make sure you go there and do that. That's going to be a blast. We're going to just going kind to of have a good time hanging out, eating some food, watching the movie. Just, just uh, relaxing, basically. Yeah, what would good would be summer without outdoor movies, right? I mean, we've got to do that. So this is our last installment of the Frozen series. And today is the Avalanche Effect, like we said. But today we're going to talk about... We're going to go back to where we started this series. Back to the main character, Elsa, once again. Elsa in the movie Frozen starts an avalanche effect not an actual avalanche but a series of events that lead to impact everybody in the land of Arendelle the problem of course is in the movie is Elsa has no idea that she has started this avalanche effect and affecting so many people around in this mystical land called Arendelle she doesn't realize it so in the middle of the movie her younger sister Anna As many of us know, if we've seen the movie, she has to go find her older sister, Elsa, who has, she believes, the power to impact everybody in a positive way rather than a negative one. And so she has to find her. Well, in the middle of the movie, Anna finds Elsa, and what she finds out is when she talks to Elsa and says, hey, we love you, I'm here for you, I will help you, we'll get through this together, kind of a thing. She finds out Elsa has no idea that she has set off an eternal winter for everybody. She's affected and impacted everybody around her, and she has no idea. So, what I want you to do is watch this. And of course, it's Disney, so we all know they're going to do it in song, right? That's what they do. So, enjoy this clip. You'll get the gist. We can't. Goodbye, Anna. Elsa, wait! No, I'm just trying to protect you. You don't have to protect me. I'm not afraid. Please don't shut me out again Please don't slam the door You don't have to keep your distance anymore Cause for the first time in forever I finally understand For the first time in forever We can fix this hand in hand We can head down this mountain together You don't have to live in fear Cause for the first time in forever Please go back home Your life awaits Go enjoy the sun and open up the gates Yeah, but I know You mean well, but leave me be Yes, I'm alone, but I'm alone and free Just stay away and you'll be safe from me Actually, we're not what do you mean you're not? I get the feeling you don't know. What do I not know? Arendelle's in deep, 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 deep snow. What? You kind of set off an eternal winter everywhere. Everywhere? It's okay, you can just unfreeze it. No, I can't. I, I don't know how. Sure, you can. I know you can. <clears throat> Oh, I know. You wanted to hear the rest of the song. Ah, You're going to have to come on Friday. See how we do that? Leave you hanging, and then it's what everybody else does, you know. Uh, so come on Friday, and you get to hear the rest of the song for the first time in forever, and they, ah, it's beautiful. All right. It'll make you cry and everything. I promise. It's awesome. All right. So, and the guys will fake it off. Like I said last week, you know, I mean, they'll be like, oh, man. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You know. But we have a good thing, and the gist of that is Elsa has no idea that she's impacted. She's having an avalanche effect on everybody else around her. She didn't even know it. She says, I'm free. I'm alone. Leave me alone. You're safe. And she says, no, we're not. And no, you messed everybody up. And you're the only one that can help it, because you're the one impacting it. And she sees this avalanche effect finally for the first time, and eventually, of course, we get to the end of the movie, and... We, we kind of get things back to normal, right? To some normalcy. But we go through all these things and we have this avalanche effect. Well, in the Bible, in Galatians chapter 6, go ahead and turn there. If you like to follow along on your phones or on your Bible or whatever you do, um, go ahead and turn there. Galatians chapter 6 is where we're going to be, verses 7 through 9. And uh, we're going to talk about this. But in this pers- particular passage, Galatians chapter 6, it talks about this uh, principle. This principle, that is, we affect ourselves and a whole lot of other people with what we choose to do, with our actions, how we choose to live, our decisions, uh, how we talk to each other, how we treat people. We affect ourselves and we affect and impact a lot of other people. And this principle in Galatians chapter 6 talks about this. Of course, it's talking more in the spiritual realm, so it's talking about sin. Let's take a look at it. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live to only satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit or please God will harvest everlasting life from God or from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. What this passage is talking about is a principle that we all know deep down is true. What is that principle? What we do affects how the future goes, right? What we do now affects what will happen down the road. We all know this is true, but it's not an easy principle to grasp and remember in the moment, is it? If we did, if we, and I'm the same way, if we did, then we would probably go back and say, why did I do that? That created a lot of mess, right? We we can look back and we can have regret and all this kind of stuff. But obviously, there's good news in this, right? But that is a principle that we need to understand. What we do now affects what's going to happen in the future, not only for ourselves but for others. And in uh, verse seven, it says, "This you will harvest what you plant. You will harvest what you plant." We all know this is true. For example, we all know if you want a field full of corn, you plant pumpkin seeds for sure. Right? Obvious. If I want corn on the cob in summer, I plant pumpkin seeds. That's how you do it. Right? If I want a field full of wheat, I plant soybean for sure. Right? No. Ridiculous. Of course we wouldn't do that. Farmers, that'd be silly. Right? They're like, oh, these pumpkins are going to be awesome you know, as they plant corn. It, it doesn't work that way. We know it doesn't work that way. The problem, though, becomes that we don't transfer that same exact obvious principle of how the universe works, how God set it up for our own lives. We plant things like hatred and, and bitterness and fear and, and we mistreat people and, you know, whatever, all this kind of stuff, and then we expect to harvest Good. We're like, oh, you know, it'll be fine. I'm sure good will come out of it. Well, apart from God, no, it can't. Right? If we plant this stuff here, sin here, we're going to harvest more sin. That's just how it goes. Now, I don't know about you, but this is, uh, you're like, where'd the worm and fuzzy go? <laughs> You know, this is this is not working out so well. But and and you're right. This is a principle that we need to understand, though. It's not it's not something that we like to talk about in our American culture. We avoid this a lot. We do not like to talk about this. In fact, there is a nasty, dirty word in our culture that we avoid, like the plague. I mean, we just, we avoid it like crazy. Musicians don't use this word, typically. Uh, there's a few, I think, that do, but mostly don't. Comedians don't use this word. You guys think I'm going to come up with a four-letter word, don't you? You're waiting. You're, like, excited. No. Uh, this nasty, dirty word is consequences. How many of you get a warm fuzzy when I say that one? Oh, say that again, consequences. No, we don't. Why? Because it's got a really negative connotation, doesn't it? We don't like to hear consequences because we don't like it for our own lives. We don't like it for our children. We don't like it for anything else. We don't like that word consequences. But why don't we like that word consequences? Why, why is that? Why is that? Well, is it possibly because we have a wrong view of consequences? Is it possibly because we have a wrong view of consequences? I think that that is the problem. We don't like the word consequences. We don't use that whatever in the rest of our life. We don't even like to talk about consequences from our actions because it's very negative. But what I want to do, and I've never, never had done this before, but I want to look at this and and, and just as I studied this and I have kind of seen different definitions, but I want to look at the definition. Let's look at it. Definition of consequence, a result or effect of an action or condition. A result or effect of an action or condition. It's a consequence. Notice it doesn't have anything negative in there. Did you notice that? It's not negative or positive. In fact, it's neither. Only what we see and what happens as a result. Yes, can they be negative? Can they be positive based on our perspective? Of course. But in and of themselves, a consequence is simply something that happens as a result of something else that was done. Right? It's, it's not positive or negative in and of itself. It is simply something that happens. Why is this important to understand? Why is this such a big deal? Because in Galatians chapter 6, it's talking about consequences. How we live leads to what we will get. What we plant leads to what we harvest. And so it's talking about these consequences. If the consequences are not negative or positive, then why is that good news? Because there is good news in here. Okay? A lot of you are saying, let's get to it. Because <laughs> uh, enough about the consequences. The consequences are, if they're just not positive or negative, this is good news. Why? Because there are two things that I want to talk about that kind of help us understand this one thing that we can change, and one thing that we cannot change. And this goes to consequences. The one thing that we cannot change are the consequences that happen as a result of our actions. Right? What we do is going to lead to certain consequences. We can't change that. There's just no changing that. So what we tend to do, in fact, I think as Americans we sometimes tend to do this a lot. This is why our court system and everything else works so powerfully and is so influential, is because what we do is we want to live how we want to live and then we run from our consequences. We try to get out of the consequences. How many of you have ever gotten a speeding ticket? Case in point. <laughs> oh, well, I was, I was you know, I, there was, uh, I'm on my way to here and there's this thing and uh, I saw a bird off the side and, uh, you know, and I was thinking about last week and, you know, my, oh, did I mention my wife is in labor? Yeah, she's, you know, what, okay, whatever. You know, I'm sure they've heard, you just talked to somebody and they've heard probably everything yeah, under the sun. Because we don't like the consequences for what we just did, right? And we don't like to own up to it. I don't know about you. I, you know, I even find myself, it's hard for me not to give excuses to a police officer when I get, I have gotten a ticket, by the way, in, in the past. Uh, it's hard for me not to just come up with something and be like, well, you know. I, instead, I just need to sit there you know, be like, yep, too fast, sorry. You know, but we don't like the consequences. We can't change them. But here's the good news. What can we change? We can change what leads to the consequences, can't we? We can change what happens before and what leads to the consequences. We can change the behavior. can change how we treat people. We can change the decisions that we make that lead to those consequences. So that is obviously good news. What we need to do is stop focusing on getting away from the consequences and focus on what led us into the consequences in the first place. And this is what Galatians 6 is talking about. What we need is to be able to change our focus on that. Another principle that kind of goes along with this, and this is the principle from the movie Frozen, we know that when we choose to act a certain way or do certain behaviors, um, maybe how we treat people or what we say, how many of you have ever said anything, and you wanted to take it back pretty quick right after? Okay? Thank you. I'm there as well. Okay? Ask my wife. She'll tell you. All right. (laughs) There's plenty of times. Yeah. uh, There's just those things where you go, ah, the consequences. Ugh. you know, I shouldn't have said that. And we have those things. Well, how do we change the consequence? You can't change the consequence, but you can change by not saying it. Or by saying something way better. Right. Really positive. What we change is how it goes. But another principle is it affects far more than just ourselves, doesn't it? Don't consequences affect more than ourselves? They affect our children. They affect our family. They affect our neighbors. They affect everybody a lot more than probably what we realize, kind of like the Elsa factor. What? Everybody's in winter? I didn't even know. You know, I mean, we don't realize how much impact we have on other people around us, especially those That we're close to, ones that we love, and they love us. And so this principle is a big one. Now, the question then becomes how do we break the cycle? How do we get out of this mode of doing these same things? Because I don't know about you, but isn't it true that we all have tendencies, right? Do you have tendencies? Things that you just tend to do over and over again. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad right? And, and, and sometimes they're just in between. They're just things that we do, you know, ticks that we have. And we do them over and over again. And I don't know about you. Sometimes the consequences are good. Sometimes they're bad. Sometimes they're just in between. And, but we tend to constantly do them. And you go, how many of you worked on something for years and you've tried to change it and you're still like, ah, you know, you're still frustrated about it. You know, I've had some of those things or some things that I've, I've nipped and gotten rid of out of my life that I knew need to be out. Very sin things, and I've grown and in my relationship with God those ways. But then there are some things that sometimes God says, come on, you've got you to work on that. You know, do, do that less or do this more. And I still work on some of those things, but have gotten better some things I don't have to deal with anymore, which I'm very thankful for. But it takes a, a specific and extra power and effort. And what is that power? Well, Galatians, actually the previous chapter, talks about this. Galatians 5, 16 and 7 talks about how we break the cycle. This is what it says. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Let The Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil. Which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit, or God, gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Have you ever made a choice and you wrestled with it in the moment? And you're like, ah, I just, but I probably shouldn't, but I want to. Right? That's what this passage is talking, this struggle. But it gives us the answer in that first verse, that verse 16. It says, What do we need in order to break the cycle? We need God. We need God's power. I don't know about you, but a a lot of times I really work hard at changing something myself. And it's very rare that I can make hardly any progress until I finally just surrender that to God and say, God, I need you to help me. And what it usually takes for me is I have to pray consistently about it. I can't just throw a prayer up and say, God, help me. Thanks. And then that's it. And I'm done. God's like, ba-boom. Thank you. You're done with it. Woo, Thanks, Lord. You know, It, it has to be sometimes it's weeks, sometimes it's months, sometimes for me in certain areas, it's been years. Sometimes I've gotten rid of it very quickly. Sometimes it's taken a while. But what it takes is constant connection, constant prayer, constant me reading the word of God. I have to get into this. I don't know about you, but I can't get truth of what God wants me to do unless I know what he's saying to me. This is one of the best ways to do that. A lot of people ask me, how do I know what God God wants me to do? This is one way. I'm just telling you, this is one way. It may seem weird. You don't know where to start. If you're wondering, just talk to me. Shoot me an email, text, What? I don't care, but just ask, and I'll give you some direction on where to start. I was the same way. Where do I go? I'm still sometimes when I sit down to have my personal time with God, I'm like, okay, where should I go? This is a really big book. Actually, this one's a little smaller, but um, it's because it's tiny print, you know? Got it. But there's a lot in here, tons of truth packed in this. This is one way you need the Holy Spirit to guide your life. And the only way he's going to be able to guide you is if you know what he's guiding you (laughs) to do. And this is one way to find that out. The other way is prayer, of course. Another way is to be around other people that are trying to do the same thing we're doing, seeking after God. That's why we do this. It's one reason of many, but one reason why we gather together, because it says in the word, gather together. I will be there if more than uh, just a few people gather in my name, or in other words, to worship me. And so we have this dynamic, the power of God that is in your life that can help you change the actions, which in turn will change the consequences. Don't try to run from your consequences or get out from under the consequences. Change what you're doing, which will change your consequences. It says in verse 16, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Allow God, his power, his direction to help move and shape you. And especially in the big things, the big areas, career, family, where to move, where to go. Um, what to do in a certain day when you, have, when you have conflict in your family. Go to God and ask God about that stuff. And sometimes he'll give you an option that maybe you hadn't thought of. It's happened to me, me- numerous times. where you know, I've, I've wrestled with it for days, and then all of a sudden I'm like, you know what, I just need to ask God. And then you know, that day or the next day, uh, <laughs> hello, <laughs> I know I'm slow, I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> God's going, come on, could have asked me a long time ago. but it's difficult. We need that power. We need that direction in our lives. Early on in the 20th century, the early 1900s, there was a young boy who grew up in uh, a family where the father was an intense alcoholic. And uh, when he got drunk, the father became very physically abusive. And this young boy had other brothers and sisters, but um, the, the physical abuse reached a, a point where he had grown up a little bit and become a little bit older uh, boy, older child. And the abuse got so bad one day that he literally just he ran off. He got out of the house and he got away. And he stayed away until he finally ended up living with another relative, uh, another one of his relatives in his family. And uh, didn't go back, but he escaped from that. He still had brothers and sisters, but it was a, it was a tough situation. Well, this young boy, he eventually grew up Uh, into a young man, and he started dating and kind of got into a whole new season of life. And uh, in that season of life, he was introduced to um, faith in Christ. And he wrestled with it, and eventually he decided that the best thing for him was to put his faith and his hope and his trust into Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so this young boy did that, this young man did that, and he kept dating and all these kind of things. He was in that season of his life, but he surrendered his life to Christ and he slowly figured out what that meant. He grew more and more and more, but his life began to shift and turn. The way that he acted, the things that he said, the, the stuff that he did, the, the time that he would focus, the things that he would focus his time on, all began to shift. And so he slowly worked through that, and he felt his life was changing for really good ways, and they were. But then he still had some difficulties because his brothers and sisters had also grown up at this time, and they would make fun of him. They would constantly make fun of him for it. Uh, They'd make fun of God. They'd make fun of him. They said, you're stupid. That's dumb to even think of that, to believe in that. Stupid. They'd make fun of him all the time. So he kind of had to wrestle with that. Right? But his life began to turn around and he saw some amazing consequences that came out of it. Not bad ones, good ones. Because of the choices that he was making and the faith that he had put in Christ as Lord and Savior. So eventually this young boy, he, he grew up to the point where he got married. He had a son and a daughter and the son and the daughter, guess what? They grew up understanding what it meant to follow Christ and they gave their lives to Christ eventually on in their lives. And, uh, and they came to Christ. One became a successful businessman and being highly involved in his church. And the daughter uh, actually married, of all people, I don't know why you'd ever do this, married a pastor. <laughs> she married a pastor, and, and they became highly involved in ministry in the local church there in their community. And then there, uh, the son and the daughter, they had kids, and their kids had kids, and on and on it goes. But it changed everything for the whole family forever. Forever. The reason I tell that story is because that's my family. That's my, the young boy who ran away at the beginning is my great-grandfather. Okay? He's the one that, that got away from that and he broke the cycle. And I'm not talking just about alcoholism. That's one, that's one major evil thing in there, right? An addiction thing. But he broke the cycle of sin. He broke it in half. Cut it off. He surrendered his life to Christ. And now this is my point. Why do I share that? Well, I share that because the avalanche effect of that one choice to follow Christ, to surrender his life to God, has made an unbelievable impact for literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people just through my family. And we're one family. One You guys have your own stories, don't you? You do. I know it, and we know that. But we forget how huge our decisions are, don't we? If my great-grandfather, this is maybe going a little deep, but if my great-grandfather does not accept Christ, and you transfer down, I don't know where I would be today, and I don't know if Northridge would exist. It might in a different way, in a different person. Who knows what God would have done? I don't know. We can play the what-if game all day, right? But you trace it back, that was a big deal, especially for me. I know for my family. Our family scattered all over the planet. But the vast majority of us follow Christ to this day. It's not, by the way. I don't want to give the idea, because this is an American idea, that we can transfer faith through our family just because they're our children. You cannot. The only way to have faith in Christ is for a person to believe in and accept it themselves. It was not transferred to me. I had to accept that and believe it myself. It cannot be baptized into us. Now, I'm touching on some heartstrings, aren't I? It can't be. I'm serious. It can't be. You cannot baptize it into somebody. They have to choose. Your kids have to choose. You have to choose. Your neighbors have to choose. But that's the beautiful thing is God says, I want you to choose me. And if you do, you will unveil the amount, the power of my love for you. You will discover that fresh and new. So the avalanche effect works. The impact of our lives, what we do now. Has massive implications for not only for us but for our children and our children's children and the children's children, children's children, children's children children, children, children. I don't know what generation that would be, but that's way down there. What we do now affects consequences long past we're gone. And so why is that important? Because what we do now is really, really key. And we need to make sure we're doing what we need to be doing now, not later consequences. So what is the challenge? What is the encouragement for all of us today? If the avalanche effect is so powerful in such a way that we are impacting our family, we are impacting other people years from now that we're never even going to know, what does that mean for us? The question that we have to answer for ourselves, if we want to change something, if we want to really put our life on Christ. And really change the trajectory of where we're going and how we're impacting others. This is the question I believe we need to answer or ask ourselves right now in order to get the process started. And we need to be honest about it too. This is the question. What consequences are you currently creating? Right now, with your life, what consequences are you currently investing in? What seeds are you planting that will grow up later? Because what you're planting now is something that you will get later. You and your children. And it could be positive, it could be negative, but it's just going to be whatever it is that's planted. So my hope and my prayer is that we're planting things into God, into Christ, so that when they grow, it becomes that unconditional love, grace, forgiveness that is harvested out of our life and because of our life. But we first have to start and ask the question, where are we at? What are you planting? What consequences are you creating currently right now? The worship band is going to come up and let's pray so we can wrestle with that question for a minute. God, God, I just pray that you would help all of us in this room to be honest with that question. God, help us to see truly and honestly the seeds that we're planting. Whether it be with our actions, whether it be with our words, whether it be with our thoughts, whether it be with um, the direction we're headed, whether it be how we're treating other people whether it be how we're treating ourselves. God, help us to ask that question honestly and help us to answer it honestly. God, help us to see what we are planting so that we now can change so that we know that we're going to be harvesting really good things from you later on. Give us the strength and the power to do that, I pray. In your name, Jesus. Amen.